I feel conflicted. I feel conflicted. I don't want to see that. I feel conflicted. I don't need to see that. I don't want. I don't need to. I don't want. I don't need to see that. I don't want to see that. I don't need to see that. You are just learning this now that I am a gay man strapped and strapped <laughs> strapped <laughs> on. Strap on. I'm a gay man strapped onto a straight woman's body. Uh, hi. <laughs> hey. Welcome back to another episode of Countdown to the Comeback. I'm Miss Jenny. I'm Miss Marcy. This is episode four of season two. Valerie saves the show. It was a little dark. Oh, a little dark. I, I think, know. Yeah. I know. Dark moment. Very, what happened? I really <laughs> wanted to start this episode by talking about what happened when I was going to write down what the title of the episode was before I saw it. And I got very confused because on the DVR it said Valerie saves the show. Yeah. I was in the middle of editing our podcast from season one, episode six, which is called Valerie Saves the Show. Oh. Very strange. So I thought at first it was not going to be a new episode. I thought it was going to be a rerun because it was of the same name. Oh, that's interesting. And then I read the little info recap and realized, of course, it's got the date and everything. It's a totally new episode. So this episode has the same title uh, as season one, episode six, where... Wow, that's (laughs) mind-blowing! Woo! 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 I'm making, like, little, like, like psycho circles right now. She's being... I'm feeling very judgy. I'm like she's judging me. Spirograph. Totally, you're shutting me down. I said graft too. Did you have a spirograph when you were a kid? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, those little wheels. Why? Why were those so fascinating? They still make them. Do they? Yeah. (gasps) I want one. Uh, Yeah, but kids, you know, I'm sure kids would rather use the Kaleidoscope app on the iPad. (laughs) They don't want to really draw. They don't want to really do cool things. I don't want to hear that. I don't want to draw with that. <laughs> Anyways, so if you're looking for something for your kids for Christmas shopping, Spirographs are still out there. Yes. Okay, so saving the show. Valerie saves the show. So the significance goes beyond that, just that I happen to be editing that at <laughs> one at the same time, but... This is the second time that she's saved the show, and it goes back to something we've talked about several times, where she actually knows what she's doing in certain ways. Other times, of course, she has no idea what she's doing or getting herself into. But she does know the business we call show. And she finds it really important that she's going to keep her scenes in this new show. And the importance of keeping her character looking whole or real whatever that means what did you think oh i'm sorry is that what what did you think of this episode i thought um i thought it was complicated i would say i didn't have as many belly laughs as usual except for the groundlings section which we'll get to which was amazing but um 
I loved it and I like that it went there. You know, I do. I like that it went there. It's I, I liked seeing the depth of her a little more. Well, you can see the cracks. Yeah, especially in the man when he was setting up the, the Teamster. The ass cracks. There was major tushy crack in this. We see some psychological and some physical cracks. <laughs> and the physical crack was hairy. It looked a little pimply to me. <laughs> oh, oh, well, when they're hairy, they're... That poor asses guy. are always pimply. What is that? Do they know? I don't know. Do people... Do men know when they have pimply They don't see a lot of... <laughs> Sun and they need a good loofah. He does. And people don't get facials. Well, some people don't get facials on their ass. I'm sure some people do. Well, you have you ever had like a full An body salt scrub? <laughs> That's <No>. fabulous. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> As I'm, t- I'm talking about depth, and then I got right into fabulous spa treatment. It's the ashel. <laughs> <laughs> I've had an ashel. <laughs> Personal. Personal moments. A posterior or a posterior exfoliation. I'm just going to go on record as saying I'm not a fan of the man ass pimple. <laughs> oh, I I am. I can't wait to just get in there. Just give me <laughs> tweezers and a mirror. <laughs> Ew. Ew. Oh, yucky. I grossed myself out. <laughs> All right, let's get off the man-ass pimple. (laughs) I'm sorry, I brought it up. I didn't bring it up. But um, And you know I love tissue-related humor. I know, and I'm sure our listeners do by now, too. They better. Oh, my God, we are so sorry. Again, we apologize to our mothers. So we start off Valerie's in her trailer. She's on her phone with Mark. She's saying she knows it's late, and she's missed dinner again. She's informing him that sitcom hours aren't the same as... The kind of hours she's doing now. So it's very different. And we know it's been a long day because Mickey is also commenting about how he's got to get a better chair. Oh, Mickey. Yeah, he's tired. It's been a long day. And the hair and makeup, the other hair person, the one who works with glue, and I <laughs> don't know what her name is, she's got, she's got a great recommendation on like a $400 one that's got like lumbar support and a cup holder. Oh, she does like to spend money, that woman. Uh, well, a $7,000 wig? This yeah. is not a practical person. No. As she's getting ready to leave, Ron wheels on over to tell her that it's been a great day, which she's very happy to get that affirmation. But he also informs her in the Bad News Sandwich that the Mallory at Home scenes are going to be lost because of a budget cut of $100,000. And we start to learn a little bit more about what Ron does. If somebody isn't familiar with the business, then they don't know that this is kind of what a line producer does is they manage the accounting and the budget, typically. Uh, Sometimes it can be a totally different producer name on it, but a line producer is typically that person who is overseeing how all the money in the budget gets allotted and spent where. So, Which I think is interesting to civilians. I hope, because otherwise I've just talked yeah. down to them. Were you... Rose Abdu. Miss Marcy. Mariana. Mar- Mary- Marianina is the wig person. Oh, okay. In this discussion that Valerie is having with Ron, we also learned that Seeing Red only has six episodes. 
Just like the comeback. Total parallel. Mickey has a very strong reaction to this. Because again, Mickey made it all about him. It really all goes back to Mickey. Well, and also Mickey doesn't seem to have a grasp on the scene of modern television today. No, time has not marched forward for Mickey. He still dresses like an old school flamboyant gay man. He dresses exactly like he did 10 years ago. Right. You know, and probably he dressed like that 10 years before, too. Right. Yeah, he's like, you know, he's he's doing, he's a, he's a, a hair guy from 1972. Right. <laughs> he's got those those pants that probably have elastic waist and the, the button down, the black button down. Flowy, kind of flowy. Yeah, everything. It's just, a, it's just a step away from being a caftan. Yeah, he looked like he could have been one of the best friends in the birdcage. Right. <laughs> Oh, and of course, all this jewelry. He oh, yeah. All that jewelry. Also, this is a great exchange between Mickey and Ron. I'm cutting the fat, and her house location, with only six episodes, is impossible to amortize. Six? I was hoping to get 26. 26? <laughs> this isn't the Rockford Files. No, it isn't. I like how Ron chose a show that Mickey could relate to, yeah. you know? Because the Rockford Files, that's his time. That's Mickey's time. Well, and Ron's not a young guy either. No. But Ron obviously has marched kept up forward with, with stuff. time. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> marched forward. Has rolled forward <laughs> with time. Oh my god! Right, <laughs> marching is not in his skill set any longer. Unfortunately, <laughs> remember we were talking about those haters who may not get our sense of humor. This might be one of those moments. Hater moment. We are so Ooh. sorry. We are so sorry if we offend anybody, but we are always are we? joking. No. <laughs> well, I don't want to offend anybody, no. but I also think if, if we offend you, this isn't your podcast. That's right. It's just sort of, you this know. This is not your mother's podcast. We're going to be like Valerie Cherish. We're really good people. Don't hate us for that. Don't hate me because of that. That's not fair. It's not fair. <laughs> I was in a little pain. Your dog just gave me a mammogram. <laughs> Ron makes the comment that he does not make the budget. He's just got to live with it. Valerie expresses her concern about losing the, the scenes in the home because if they lose the scenes in the home, then that means that they're going to lose a significant part of her character. Character won't be fleshed out. And she wonders if they've thought of everything, and she keeps sort of pressing that, and she makes some comment that the accountants wouldn't be thinking creatively, which is... Offensive to accountants. Yes, it is. And because there is a lot of creative thought in in the technical aspects, as and we budgeting. know. And in budgeting. Especially when you have things coming up like $7,000 wigs that look right. exactly like the hair. Then she sort of has a revelation and goes chasing after him in her heels. And he moves so fast in that wheelchair and she's like tearing down there. We don't really hear her. We, I think we sort of know what she's about to t tell him about, you know, offering up her house. So Valerie comes home and Mark is in bed and she's getting into bed and she tells him that she's offered up the house to shoot all the home stuff and she's explaining the situation to him. Love Ball is not happy. He's not happy. Poor Love Ball. He is really resistant. <laughs> He's putting up a lot of resistance. And Valerie is making the point that without the home stuff, that she's just going to look like a crazy sitcom star. And none of that's really flying with Mark. He doesn't care. He does not care. And he's also saying, hey, but you said this wasn't you. Right, right. He brought that all back. Which 
keeps happening in every episode. Somebody's yeah. getting confused, whether it's her or Polly G. Somebody's always confused about what is real, what isn't, what really happened, what really didn't. She also talks about the importance of keeping Mallory likable and cites some of the scenes because we may never see seeing red but i love hearing about what's in seeing red right and she mentions that they're going to be scenes at home of her drinking alone and crying in the tub that she finds a stray cat and it scratches her (laughs) (laughs) this is all this is backstory jenny don't mock it it's backstory goddammit. What I also think is really cool about it is that we see or hear, we hear what Polly G's fantasy of Valerie's life is. Right. As shown to us through Mallory. Right. And it's she doesn't not quite that see that. Flattery yeah. At all. So she says, look, the whole crew is going to be in the house for a day or two. Then she drops it, you know, <laughs> per episode. He's still not having it until she says Seth Rogen will be filming there. Oh, man crush, man crush moment. Uh, it is definitely a man crush moment, and he's like, that's pretty cool. What dude does not have a crush on Seth Rogen? He is like the heterosexual man crush guy. I think that... Mark is very concerned with looking cool, or maybe not very concerned, but is very impressed by certain things and is attracted to opportunities to look cool himself. Yeah. Right. What would be cooler than being friends with Seth Rogen and his. And maybe then he could hang out with James Franco. Right. He's just, it's it's just. Wait a minute. It's That's sort of something like, I kind of want to do, too. It's, it's a chain of events in his mind. Yes. Like, you know, point A to point B. The logical conclusion of Seth Rogen filming in their house is that they're going to be BFFs forever. Right. With Seth Rogen. With uh, James Franco. Maybe he could do Naked and Afraid with Seth Rogen and James Franco. Have you seen the I haven't seen that, but I definitely. I think you mentioned it before. Oh, I guess I'm a little obsessed. What if they have a pimply ass? Oh, oh and uh, she's silent. She just looked at me. There, I'm like, just going to say, no offense, Seth, he could. <laughs> He's a little bit of a bear, and it's probably warm in his pants. <laughs> I don't think James Franco would have a pimple on his ass. Yeah, well, I just don't. Okay. Don't spoil it for me. <laughs> I have a visual of the James Franco Tuchus, which is not sexy when I call it a Tuchus, and I don't want it spoiled, but it's a man pimple. I'm sorry. We're talking about the man-ass pimple again. I think again, Yiddish I was meant, like, was, as, a, as a language was created to desexualize certain things, like body parts. Like and, Tuchus. Like Tuchus. Schmeckle. Yes, Exactly. Once Mark is on board with the idea that they're all going to be in the house, she says, as she's getting herself into bed, like, why didn't I start with it? She says, it won't even, they won't even be in your way. Cut to, she's coming downstairs and there's a crew, there's just crew everywhere and there's a crew guy coming up the stairs who's like, you know, trying to get her to move out. And she's like, oh, oh, I, I, I'm in your way. So first thing, they are in the way of the crew. Forget the crew being in their way. It becomes very apparent that they're in the way of the crew. Right. In their own home. In their own home. And Mark is very disturbed because he can't get to his Nespresso machine. (laughs) Oh, love ball. And there's blue tape over everything. What was that blue tape for? 
I would really like to, we should really talk to some of our friends and locations. Yes. But I will say that it did seem like a random amount of blue tape on random things. In weird areas, yes. Yeah. And granted, that does happen in shows, and maybe it's because of sight lines and stuff like that. Or those remarks. Right. I thought I know the marks would be on the cabinet. Well, and I know sometimes they put things places to keep them shut or or to deter people maybe from opening and closing them, like on the cabinetry to make sound so it'll keep sound out. Who knows? There's so many so many things that it could be, but it also just looked so randomly placed. It did. When they go to open the cabinets and she's just like, you know, well, just forget it. You know, let's just, oh, you can remove the blue tape. It's not a crime scene. But it takes off layers of paint. Yeah, that was bad. I loved. I cringed. But I also thought it was very symbolic that they're literally peeling paint off. They are removing layers of this home that they've built together. Their sanctuary that is like being taken over and torn apart by this project. So on a metaphorical level, I thought there's a lot going on with that. When she says that it's a big day and that they can't worry about all the stuff going on in the house because it's her first day going to the groundlings, he thinks that that's a new coffee shop up on San Vicente. (laughs) Maybe they have an espresso machine there. (laughs) At the groundlings. Yeah, they could. And she makes a comment. She refers to him as a civilian. She does. Yeah. Like, oh my God, somebody just did. The whole Groundlings, Nespresso, San Vicente beat made me think that they must live in like Brentwood or Santa Monica, right around yeah. Montana and, yeah, and that area. What, yeah. We've talked about this before, like what area could they live? Yeah. And it makes sense that they were returning sheets that one day on Montana yeah. and everything seems to be sort of west side. And she, we know they're not Beverly Hills. West side. Anyways, after she has explained what the Groundlings is... She also explains that she's going there in hopes of being able to go toe-to-toe with Seth Rogen. (laughs) Yeah, that's never going to happen, Valerie. She has this idea that taking one improv class is going to suddenly just send her off. You know, I have to say that uh, that wasn't so surprising to me because I have an acting studio in Culver City called The Actor's Circle. And I have people who come in and think, I'll, just, I'll take one class and then I'm going to get an agent and be on a television show. One class. And I'm sure there are established actors or actresses who will go to a place like the Groundlings and think that they're going to plump up their right. skills in some way. But not, not one class, never. Do you think that she's taken acting classes before? Valerie Cherish? Yeah. I don't know. I- yes, I do. I do because of some of the, the language... Some of the language they give her is language by some, you know, there's some acting teachers in town who sort of, they give different names to things, you know, the same thing that we all do. And it's, you know, extremely pretentious. And It's kind of the same thing with psych, actually. When you look yeah. at all the different theories, there's so many different theories that are so similar and it's the same thing, only called different, right, different things in each technique. Yeah. I could see that. So Valerie definitely, she throws out terms that makes you think she went to some, you know, guru acting class. But I get the sense she probably didn't do a lot. I don't feel like she went to college and studied or or, right or was ever part of a troupe or like I think that it's not about the acting hasn't always been more about getting to a place where she's on camera getting 
fame or celebrity uh, or recognition. Yeah, but she gets really overly concerned with her character and getting into character and all of that. But she does it in a way, like I said, that I, I think she studied. I just don't think she studied with someone good. <laughs> or she didn't get it. She didn't hear. She seems to be very caught up in the technical aspects of things and she's not capable of being free. Right. And I think the improv to the groundlings. Right. Well, and the stuff at the groundlings really, really shines a light on that. Well, that's where Lisa. That was Lisa. Lisa Kudrow's a groundling. Right. I love that she went there. I love that they. I love they gave him that big commercial. I think it's wonderful. You wonder if she had that experience at the groundlings with somebody coming in, but. One of the things I, I read in an article was that Valerie Cherish was actually a character that she came up with at the Groundlings oh, years before she was wow. even on Friends. I mean, it's like wow. old school, early. I could see that. Again, one of the character traits of Valerie is how uptight she is and how self-conscious she is in a strange way where she's still completely unself-aware, but where she's like looking to everybody else throughout these scenes as well, like what are they doing and, you know, the climbing the ladder as the first exercise that they're right. doing. And people are actually miming, kind of climbing a ladder, but she's sort of reaching out forward. Like, right. Shooting. Well, here's the thing, just a point I want to make. In order to, to as an actor, to play somebody who's really bad at something, you need, you need to first get really good at it. So because... Lisa Kudrow is such a great improviser. She can play a really bad improviser so well. Yeah. Whereas if she were just randomly throwing out things that would make her a bad improviser, but she knew exactly how to play doing it wrong. And that's what made it so funny, especially to people who really know improv. You know, it was for me, I was like, I was screaming with laughter when I was watching that. I've had to teach people like that. The coach... Screaming to her off camera, basically, or you know, off stage, right? Saying exactly what we have said <laughs> in every podcast, where she's saying, "Don't tell me, show me. Don't right. tell me what you're gonna do. Show me what you're gonna do." I love it when she went, reached out, when she looked out and said, "Oh, I chose to be right. a miner," and if she was mining with a little tiny pick, too, did you? Okay, great. So I'm going to give you two occupations, uh -huh. and then I want you guys just to jump in and go for it. Right. Okay, great. So Seamus, let's give you candy maker. Oh, that's good. Okay, and Valerie, uh -huh. a minor. Uh-huh. Okay. Yeah. D one question. Is it minor, like, under 21, or minor, like, coal miner, minor? You show me. I will show you. Okay. Okay. Okay, let's give him some love and applause. Okay. <laughs> I've chose coal miner. Valerie, yeah. stay in the scene. Yes. Don't don't tell me what you're gonna do. Show me what Show you're it. gonna do. Yeah. Okay. She recognized that minor could go two ways. Which is could have been a brilliant thing. And she and she chose the one way that was not thinking outside the box. Yeah, it wasn't thinking outside the box. It wasn't easier. No. It, choosing to be a minor would have made that scene hilarious. Yeah. There's so many different ways that it could have gone. Right. She didn't take the better choice. No. She didn't make it. And and yet, she, her instinct at first was there. 
she's also smiling at the camera the whole time. Part of I me know. is thinking she's having a great time. She, well, you know what? That's the thing is that improv is really fun. And I think she was having a great time. And being around other actors who were playing. But she also... Oh, what about, though, the most painful moment in that scene? When she introduced herself again? Yes. And she said, I just want to want the other actors to be uncomfortable, be comfortable. Yeah, she she volunteers to do the first scenes and introduces herself. And the instructor's like, uh, you already told us she doesn't want them to be intimidated yeah. because she's an actress. And and nobody looked remotely intimidated no. by her. No. And they're all just uncomfortable for her and looking at one another. And she's like, I'm at your level. First of all, she doesn't really think she's at their level. No. She thinks she's on another level, and she is, and it's not the one she supposes she's at. She also keeps piping in. She doesn't wait for it. She doesn't let it just happen. She's got to make comments and jokes. And it's it not ha- give and take, which is very necessary in improv. I think she had in her mind when she went into this class that... She wants to go toe-to-toe with Seth Rogen, but of course she was going to go and she was going to be so much better than everybody else. And that's not really working out. Right. And she's there was a little sense of desperation there. When she says, we both spoke at the same time. So now what? With her and the candy maker, they're both talking on top of one another because she's not listening to him. No. Not present in the scene, not giving and taking. Like we do. What? <laughs> what were you saying? Something? Huh? I'm sorry. Right? I'm I was sorry. Busy. You were, I was, I was on so, it. I was on my I was, own I, I'm uh, a minor. Really, I'm in a, oh, in a fireplace. I, can I have your uh, ID, please? <laughs> it's a fireplace. <laughs> then it's a little bit later. Some scenes are wrapping up and she's in the audience clapping with the other students. After, after the other students clap, then she claps. She's still looking around, not quite sure. Right. They take a break and she can't find Mickey. And we find oh. that he's out in the lobby and he's on the phone. She's very disturbed that he missed her improv as a homeless person and starts telling him all about her funny bit as the homeless person. And she starts describing how she had played it with this bag of belongings slung over her shoulder and this funny walk. And it was her characterization, her cartoon, her really incredibly dated cartoon idea of what a homeless person is, too. I know. Making them a hobo. She was Hobo Kelly. She was, <laughs> exactly. Was Hobo Kelly, did you have Hobo Kelly in your... When I was a little girl, there, a local, there was this local t- a children's TV show, and her name was Hobo Kelly. And if you think back, that's a little crazy, you know? That we were all tuning in every Saturday morning to watch Hobo Kelly. <laughs> and I'm sure Hobo Kelly had a lot of wisdom. She did, and she had like a blacked out tooth, and she had a little knapsack, and she always pulled stuff out of her little homeless knapsack. I think of Fred Astaire and Judy Garland in Easter Parade as a couple of swells. You know, we're the, a couple, couple of swells. swells. <laughs> we dine at the best hotel. We're both dancing like Lucy right now. <laughs> We're dancing like morons. Oh, oh that's God. the great thing about podcasts. You can't see the things what we don't want wearing. to see. For example, Jenny just redid her hair and that looks like she's a horn. Yeah. Like a unicorn. Anyways, her instinct is not somewhere real and empathetic. It's somewhere. Is it ever? No. And here we have another interpretation of that, another example of that. No empathy. And she's very concerned because Jane now won't have somebody to cut to reacting to her as the hobo. But 
Mickey's very serious as he gets off the phone and apologizes to her in his Mickey way for having missed it. And he had to take the call from the island of Dr. Moreau, which he... Oh. Yeah. Oh, no. And he says that he had to get the test results and she makes a joke about, oh, did the rabbit die? Kind of. They found some form of cancer. And he's trying to be chipper, but you can tell. Like, overly chipper. It was breaking my heart. Like, he's way overcompensating. But he still doesn't want to upset Valerie. And before it really registers with her, you can see that it's sort of hitting her. Tyler comes over, and he's all... He wants to get up there and do an improv, and... And she's like, go, get get Mickey some of those chips. Because Mickey's eyeing the chips that Tyler's eating. And, and Tyler was also imitating the little pickaxe. <laughs> like, I could do, I'd be, I could do the improv with the, like... Well, earlier when they were in the, in the room with the teacher, or he was behind Jane doing something to the camera. Did you see that? Yeah, yeah. I don't know like, what he was quite, what he was doing, but it was hilarious. He's mugging. Yeah. Definitely wants the camera to be on him. He's the star of his own movie, as we all are. Mickey says he's fine and that he had so much skin cancer removed that he counts it as major weight loss <laughs> and tells him not to give it a second thought because he's strong like wool. Come. I always say that. I it's do like too. My strong like wool. I don't know where that comes from because my family says that too. Yeah, so my does parents mine. said yeah. it. And- so she's impressed. She says that Mickey just did a good accent and he should be up on that stage in front of her. Which is something that should be noted is that uh, Robert Michael Morris is an acting teacher and, or was, and he was Michael Patrick King's acting teacher. Was he? I did not know that. And that's how when they were casting the comeback originally and casting the role of Mickey, Michael Patrick King said, I, I got the perfect guy. And oh my gosh. So that was Michael Patrick King. Do you hear King's that guy. all my students? <laughs> <laughs> Pay it forward. That's interesting, Jenny. Thank you. Interesting moment. <laughs> Tyler comes back with the food right before they're going to go back in and, and there's just a shot of Jane looking concerned. Jane is sort of holding all the reality for everybody. Yeah. Sort of the real emotion. Back in the class, Valerie's in another scene. She gets assigned the occupation of bartender, and the other guy, Rick, is up, and his occupation is house husband. And this is right after she's heard this little tidbit of news from Mickey, and it, as we just noted, it hasn't fully been Good digested. Valerie. Bartender. Bartender. Great bartender. Okay, and one for Rick. House husband. House husband. Okay. So a bartender and a house husband. Let's give him some applause. Boy, do I need a drink. I I don't work anymore, so sometimes an afternoon drink just hits the spot. Mm -hmm. Well, only two reasons to be out of work. Bad economy or cancer. You have cancer? Okay, guys, let's hold it there for a second, okay? Yeah. There are some topics that we find that just don't play funny, right? Nothing's off limits, but... Things like cancer, they are just really hard and tricky to make funny. They're not funny. Not funny, exactly. All right, let's try two new professions. Good. All right, good. Okay, so um, Valerie, Mm -hmm. new mom, and Rick, for you, Baker. Oh, Baker. Let's give him applause. Okay. (laughs) I'm baking this cake for me today for a change. It's my birthday. (laughs) Well... What sign are you? Cancer? My bad. 
My bad. Okay. Um, let's pick a different sign. What's the one with the crab? Um, cancer. Okay. Did it again. <laughs> Keep saying it. Okay. Oh, and that was like, ah, okay. So much. She was processing like a toddler. <laughs> Wasn't she? She was. Yeah, I guess it's sort of like play therapy. That yes. you know, when you when you sit a kid down with a bunch of dolls and they start like acting something out, and you what? realize, holy shit! You know, I see that in like with my little kids that I teach. You know, there've been a lot of Ebola scenes lately. They must hear it's sad. They must hear they're yeah. scared. They they hear the news or they hear people talking and they don't know how to process it so everything becomes Ebola to them. Right, it becomes how do you learn how to deal with this scary idea? Right. And people don't want to talk about it at home and people don't know how to talk about it. You know, cancer or <laughs> cancer or death. All or if you're Jewish, Right. All the things that have been whispered in households and over Thanksgiving t tables over the f past few days. Some topics don't play funny. She really <laughs> is teaching, trying to teach Valerie. Can cancer be funny? Well, yes, nowadays we found ways, right? Look at all the shows about cancer. That's true. The Red Band Society and the, what was the... The, the C word. The C word, right. And then there's one on ABC Family. I forgot what it's called about this girl with leukemia. There are some things. There's funny cancer shows. There are funny cancer well, shows. But cancer itself funny. is not funny. Uh, she can't stop saying it. It Sorry. is truly a brilliant little exchange right there because she's trying on a conscious level to steer away from talking about cancer, but on an unconscious level, all she can talk about is cancer. Yeah. That's all that's on her mind. Just psychologically, that's to me just perfect. The next scene is uh, the night shoot at the Cherish Berman household. Seth is outside in the car. Mark and Valerie are in Video Village or at the monitors watching, standing behind or sitting behind Polly G and the script supervisor. So Mark has seemed pretty excited that Seth Rogen is at his house. It's earlier in the evening in the shoot, and Mark's asking a lot of questions about what's going on. Right in Polly G's ear. And Valerie's explaining everything right in Polly G's ear. And they are, like, really personal space encroaching. Bad set etiquette. Neither of them seem to be aware of it. Valerie, I would think, I don't know, I, I it, it just seems weird to me, this little thing with Valerie here. But you know what? It was their house. I think that's what made the difference. I think because it was their house... You know, it wasn't a set to her. I mean, it was a set, but, you know, I think she took more liberties because it was her house. It's like the thing at the top of the show that I skipped over where she's leaving the house and she passes the interior designer or the set decorator and they're taking new things up into oh, right. the bedroom. And she's like, she's like, oh, no, 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 no. Like, that's not my taste at all. And the set decorator is like, yeah, this is not your bedroom. It's Mallory's. And she points out like, oh, yeah, well, there's just another difference between me and my character Mallory. Apparently Mallory likes to watch herself having sex. Yeah. <laughs> That was a great moment. She's got that big mirror going into the bedroom. Anyways, I think you're right. It's their house, so they feel really comfortable. And I think also Valerie isn't going to tell Mark no because he keeps telling her yes. He keeps giving her what she wants. Right. And, and But I still think she probably feels a little tentative about it. She doesn't want to push her luck. 
in the midst of this, Polly G calls Shane of the first AD over. And the first AD is pretty much the set police. police. Yeah, yeah, the <laughs> badass. The badass. They play the bad cops. Polly G whispers something to her. She steps back and then makes the announcement for everybody to get out who's not necessary. It's very obvious who she's talking about. Mark has a big feeling about this. Does, does he mean us? That's rude. It's our house. Acting a little petulant. And they're going outside. And he's upset about the ramp being there. Why is there a ramp here? And it's just one step. And he just thinks it's ridiculous. And as he's on that tirade, turns around and enter Ron. Roll in Ron. Roll in Ron. <laughs> Sorry. Oh, Mark was so embarrassed. Valerie makes the comment that she didn't know that line producers came to set. Which every set I've <laughs> ever been on, on location, uh, the line producer has been there. They've got to be there. I mean, yeah, there's a lot they do do from the office because they are doing all the business stuff. But they have to know what's going on on set. Right. Ron thanks Mark for letting them use the house and informs Mark that he saved the show. Does Valerie actually save the show or does Mark, Mark save the Mark saves show? the show. Mm. They need to rename this episode. Or do you think that they just tell Mark that? Because if Mark had his way, none of them would be there. Mark asked Valerie what the story with Ron is, and in a way, I never thought we would find out what Ron's story was. It's one of those things that they, they've done with a lot of right. things. Right, I was surprised. I, I've, I've begun to refer to these things as character MacGuffins. Like, like, it really doesn't matter what's in the suitcase, right? It really doesn't matter what happened to Ron, because he's just in it. MacGuffins? Yeah, MacGuffins. MacGuffin is a term in film. It's a Hitchcock thing about what's... I did not know that! <laughs> a classic and a contemporary MacGuffin would be what's in the suitcase in Pulp Fiction. Oh, okay. You know, yes. it's like you never really find out. And it really doesn't matter, right? Or what's in the butt crack of that team's face. <laughs> that is MacGuffin. Because it was of... very deep. It was a very deep butt crack. It, it, it was so... It, it, had like a, it had like its own shadow. Like one tushy cheek, it was very shadow long. the other. It, it was, was a very long. long. There's a lot of story there. Is <laughs> <laughs> Ascrack had a story arc? <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, the bigger the cushion. I'm sorry, I can't the bigger... stop. I have a MacGuffin in my ass. I then personally, right now, if I don't get a hold of my cookie habit, have a very storied ass myself. It's writing a novel. <laughs> Mine is more of a tome. (laughs) (laughs) The history of the Roman Empire. It just goes on and on and on. See, I think Roman and I think things up your butt. (laughs) Or that's Greek, right? Well, both. I I, I think the Greeks and the Romans both. Like the little tushy action? Well, yeah. Exactly. But you're out on on a war campaign in Roman and Greek times and... There's a lot of man-on-man love. It was those uh, long, cold nights. Broke back, uh, broke back mountain there. There you go. All right, back to story. <laughs> it's not a character MacGuffin here, as I suspected it might be. Like we don't know what Mark does for a living. We still don't. He's Ozzy Nelson. I thought we were never gonna find out what happened to Ron, but yeah, the story is revealed. So, uh, what happened to that producer guy? Well, the um, scuttlebutt is that uh, he was a stuntman and got hit by a big movie truck, so they made him a producer. Sorry? Oh, that's smart, you know. Avoid the lawsuit. 
Jane. Don't, probably don't want to put that out there. And that is Valerie's interpretation of it, though. Right. That's the story that she's heard. One of the things that Mark says here that I thought was significant is he says, smart, avoid the lawsuit. It parallels what's happening here. Right. Absolutely. Mark wants to meet Seth Rogen, and Valerie tries to explain to Mark that it may not be the best time because Seth is sitting in the car ready for this shot to go off. Seth is shooting up heroin and about to go into Mallory's house to kill Mallory, that Mitch is going to go in to shoot Mallory. What is seeing red about? Like, there's sometimes they describe scenes and you try and put piece together the show and it's very dark. We are going into the darkness of Polly G. We're deep into the psychological recesses of Polly G's mind with seeing red. Seth could be, I'm not saying that he is, but there is the the possibility that Seth as an actor is sitting in that car trying to get into the dark place that one might need to be at in this dramedy. But this is all a little bit above Mark understanding. He just wants to have his bromance. Actors aren't artists in his mind. They right. need, so there's no technique or concentration right. or skill needed. He doesn't understand. He sort of looks at the camera and rolls his eyes as Valerie says, actors are tricky. So, actors are tricky, Jenny. Well, yeah, they're tricky, but Mark seems to be oblivious of that. And he lives with one. And that is really sad because it also shows... A real lack of understanding between them. From where you and I have sat, we've really thought, oh, this is such a great relationship, and he's so loving and supportive, but he also just thinks that this is like a hobby for her or Right, he doesn't have, like, a basic understanding of the core being of who she is. That's kind of, that is a little disturbing. It becomes really clear in this episode that he's not as attuned to her or as understanding of her as I wish she were. He wants to go and see Seth, and there's there seems to be some confusion about whether they're going to be rolling in a minute or five minutes, and their crew <laughs> just screaming back and forth, as they do on movie sets. Valerie is taking him to the car and pulling him back, and taking him to the car and pulling him back. He's very confused. Gets to the window. Valerie introduces him to Seth. And, you know, here is where, again, we see... The Seth Rogen character in this is such a nice guy. Such a nice guy. Always a nice guy. Kind and amicable. Yes. Gracious. Mark, once he's there, doesn't really know what to say, as happens to a lot of people. Like, what do you talk about? It's like, God, I want to meet Seth Rogen. Okay. And then what are you going to say to Seth Rogen? Well, hi. Uh... I like your car. Yeah. That was so funny. Seth has to explain to Mark. It's a prop. It's not his prop department. Thank the prop guy who bought this car. And it's not his heroin. It's not his. It's not really his arm where he's shooting up. Oh God! I was like, God, it looks so realistic. He had that needle hanging out of his arm. Oh, it's very disturbing. And Valerie tells us what the scene is about. That Mitch has come to shoot Mallory. And Seth makes a great joke, saying, "Like every writer wants to do to their actor, right? That's why you got to write your own stuff." (laughs) Seth that to Valerie. Very poignant because we know Seth does write his own stuff. Right, exactly. As this exchange is happening, Val gets called to makeup, but Mark just wants to hang out. Well, I was so embarrassed for Mark right then, but it it was touching. I'm I'm friends with Seth now. We're bros. Like, if I could only have five minutes with that person, 
people everywhere think that. Who's your person you think, like, if you met them, you'd be really good friends with? What happened next was a very large glass of water spilled over some very delicate items. This part of the conversation stopped, but we would love to hear from you who your celebrity friend crush is. Is there somebody out there that you are convinced if you had 10 to 15 minutes alone with, or say we're stuck in an elevator with, you would definitely exchange phone numbers and just start texting constantly? Give us a shout out and we'll be sure to mention you on the next podcast. Now, back to your current programming. I don't want to drink that. We're going to get, you get nothing that isn't in a sippy cup from now on. (laughs) Okay. Hi. Welcome back. It's all right. We needed a little boost of energy. So Valerie walks away and leaves Mark talking to poor Seth Rogen. But Seth Rogen was so polite. He's like, no, that's okay. You can hang out, man. I just, uh... As Valerie's walking away, Mickey makes a comment about the stink hole of the trailer. So we know <laughs> the trailer is, her trailer still smells. Whatever it is. Maybe that's the MacGuffin. Exactly. And maybe the MacGuffin's an Egg McMuffin. <laughs> Wouldn't that be fabulous? That's stuck in the butt crack of the grip or whoever. Yes! <laughs> Maybe he ordered some McDonald's and it went in his anus. This is improv, people. This is improv. <laughs> Give and take. So No denying. Mickey also recommends the pot sti- stickers. They're delish. <laughs> Why that's important, I don't know, but I just thought it was hilarious. I love Mickey. I'm worried about Mickey. I know. So Valerie's worried about Mickey as well. And she asks, well, this is really a great moment where she asks Tyler to look out for Mickey, make sure that he has any food or water. Tyler's like, what, like a slave? Yeah, Tyler's really gotten uppity. Yeah. She says, yes. Or like a set PA. He says, yeah, I don't want to do that anymore. Does I want to do that and points to Seth Rogen. You can see that Valerie's patience is running low and Tyler makes a comment that, you know, he thinks he'd be good at it, at doing what Seth does. And it goes back into what we've been talking about as well, about training and people who just think that they can do things because they want to do them or because they look easy and how hard it is to make something look easy. Of course, Tyler looks at Seth Rogen and thinks, oh, I can do that. I can be the next Seth Rogen. And she also goes on a rant to Mark. Mark, at this point, bringing, coming up with his gift from Seth Rogen. Right, yeah. Jane asks Valerie why she's so concerned about Mickey. She says she's not, that it's just late and he doesn't hydrate. Then Mark walks up and he's smoking a J. He's really excited because Seth gave it to him. So he's feeling his pretty new cool. BFF. Right. And I, I was thinking, do you think Seth just gave it to him to get rid of him? Oh, I'm sure he did. Like, here, In man. a nice way. Do you think that Mark knew that he might be holding? <laughs> Could be. Maybe that's, oh, I'll stand, I'll, I'll wait here. Like, I want to smoke some of that Seth Rogen weed. I mean, I think Seth Rogen weed is probably one step below Snoop Dogg weed. Like, who are the people, well... I think Willie Nelson, like getting high with Willie Nelson is probably the top of the... the... Is that a dream for you? No. (laughs) (laughs) It's important to have aspirations. No, but in terms of the hierarchy, like, you know, acting, people want to act with Meryl Streep. Right. Weed smokers, you want to to smoke with Willie Nelson, Matthew McConaughey, Woody Harrelson, like... There you go. You know, Snoop Dogg, you know, we're going to have the best shit. Seth Rogen, I think, is probably in the top five. 
I think more so maybe than any of the other ones from that. Whoopi Goldberg, maybe. The Whoopster. The Whoopster. There's not a lot of women on the list that you can think of who are just outwardly open about right. that. Yes. Whoopi definitely is one. So, Valerie points out that maybe Mark doesn't want to be on camera smoking the weed, but also makes this, the comment to him to hold on to it for later. Because we know she... I'm nodding, forgetting there's a microphone here. Because, you know, we know that Valerie and Loveball like to get the freak on sometimes. And boy, are they going to need it at this point after what yes, they're going through in the house. That, that little that little tiny joint is going to maybe get them through the night. Valerie also expresses her concern to Mark about Tyler's attitude, and she goes on a tirade. We've got a problem, okay? Tyler doesn't want to do his job anymore, okay? Because, you know, he decided he wants to be a movie star because he showed up. That whole generation, you know, has been treated like, oh, you showed up, here's a trophy. And oh, you ate a full meal, here's a trophy for you. Which, by the way, I kind of agree with. I also wonder, though, if she isn't a little bit like that. Again, sort of the lack of self-awareness. That that's kind of why I was asking earlier if you thought she'd had a lot of extensive acting training or whatever. Or did she just sort of arrive? Here's here's a theory. Here's a theory. Yeah. She She could come from a family who had money. And she just, but she still didn't get any real attention because she doesn't seem to have any real sense of money and its worth. She's very happy to have Mark pay for anything, right? Whether it's fifty or $63,000 to make her Zen room or opening up their house, which would be $100,000 to rent for someone else, like for free to just give it to the production, that she'll cover Mickey's cost, that she's, what's a $7,000 wig? She doesn't know these things, so she doesn't really have a sense. So what kind of struggle had she really had? That doesn't mean she doesn't have a work ethic. Right. It doesn't mean that she doesn't want to do something or create something. I still think she went to acting classes just because of the terminology she throws around. I think she went to acting classes and she didn't get it, just like she went to the Groundlings and she didn't get it. She didn't get it at all. She, she, she'll probably repeat improv terms she learned. You know, she'll probably throw those back. I I could see that happening. Like her trying to teach Seth Rogen a little improv. I could see that happening in another episode. And I think it's the same with acting class. She went, she memorized the term. She doesn't really know what they all mean, you know. I see her in this season as also growing as an actor. Yeah. And getting more real in the ways that have eluded her. Well, she is on HBO. HBO does raise it to another level. It makes you real, man. HBO, keeping it real. Real television. No reality, real television. That's right. Anyway, so they're saving the joint for later, and next we cut to, it's later on, and they're at the monitors Uh, again. Totally, like, no sense of personal space again. No lesson learned. I just looked over and saw Tony Danza's penis. Tony dances the penis. Oh, sorry. You sing it quiet and I sing it loud. Well. I'm, I maybe have more robust feelings towards Tony dances penis. It's all right. Whatever feelings you have, they're yours and okay, they're they're normal. Thank you, Doctor. Maybe. Maybe not. Okay, Some people might think we're a little too obsessed with his genitalia. It's because you put a sticker over it. So I'm wondering. Oh, so. It always makes you wonder. What's under there? Well, it's a MacGuffin. (laughs) (laughs) 
It's a peanut MacGuffin. If you remove the puffy sticker, there's actually a, a little dancing peanut in the hat. <laughs> <laughs> I hate when that happens. <laughs> I want to see that. I don't want to run into a peanut MacGuffin in life. Like, <laughs> okay, babe, here we go. Well, yeah, what's time? in his pants? Yeah. Oh, oh no! Um, it's, a go. it's a dancing peanut. <laughs> God damn it! <laughs> I hate that. We're back at the monitors. Valerie is commenting on how seeing red is this perfect combination of comedy and drama. The conversation between her and Mark is still way too loud for Polly G's taste. The way he calls Shayna over, it's the exact way he called her before. Like, it could have been the same scene. And he does it really quietly. But you see this look of complete annoyance on his face. It's a... It's... And at Good once, job, Lance. And at once, it is totally Polly G being passive-aggressive asshole. And on the other hand, it is totally... Valid. Absolutely. Totally valid. That would drive me crazy, too. Yeah, and Mark's back there. Are those heavy lights going to make divots on the lawn? And you know that when people shoot in real houses, this crap goes down. That the families who live there, they get very excited. They think it's going to be very sexy. That there are people shooting in there home on their property that their right. house is going to be in a movie and then they bitch about everything they want the movie to pay for anything that's broken any chip of paint and that was also what was funny about the paint coming off in the kitchen because and she's like oh the production will pay for it it's like the production can't afford to rent this place you think that they're going to pay for the cleanup of it that was going on in my head Think right, no, no, I do too. Like especially that paint thing. Like I think they'll pay for the cleanup, but not any repairs. You know, not any repairs of the damage they've done. Who knows? Maybe Ron will tell us different as as we go on. Probably not. Mark is upset because Shayna pulls out her bad cop routine again, and he's like again. And then he just wants to get the fuck out of there. He can't go to bed because it's three in the morning and they're still shooting there. Or Maybe it's like two in the morning because the next scene is it's three in the morning and they're arriving at their rental property. One of our rental properties, which that told us a lot about their finances. He's some sort of an investor. Yeah. And they had an investment company name. Strongwood Properties. Yes. If they're not the sole owners, they have some partial stake in this company that manages, owns I think it's them. Mark's very upset that Jane and the crew is still with them because he doesn't think that this has anything to do with behind-the-scenes stuff, that they're just going to sleep. He's upset because they had to go all the way to Hollywood where this rental property is. Yeah, and it was such a Hollywood apartment. Again, kind of pulling the curtain back. This is Hollywood. This is actually what Hollywood is. It's not their nice home in Brentwood, Santa Monica area. Just like the naked women and the technical aspect of the sex right. scene 27. There's something very unsexy about it all. Well, I know a lot of actors who move here and because they want to come to Hollywood and they actually move into Hollywood and Hollywood is very skanky. So many people do. They don't know. Transsexual hookers walking out. There's a stretch that's in the heart of Hollywood. Right. There are just all kinds of crazy people. Even though there are pockets of it that are getting really nice and gentrified, there are also these areas yeah, that just Hollywood, are Hollywood pockets. Little bit skanky. 
Uh, Valerie is also saying that she'd offered to pay for a room at the peninsula. And I don't really understand why they didn't go there to begin with. But Mark maybe was just being petulant and didn't want to go because they've got this place. Well, also it's three in the morning. I mean. Three in the morning, I would much rather go to the peninsula than go to Hollywood, right? Yeah. And the peninsula, by the way, is in Beverly Hills, just in case you're not familiar with the geography. And I've thrown a shower there. My mother's wedding shower was there. Mm -hmm. It's a nice place to go for high tea. It is a very nice place to go for drinks. They've got a really nice bar there. I've been to several meetings there. I just can't think of... Yeah, I've been to high tea there. With Marsha. Yeah. And all the hats. Everybody wore hats. Personal. Personal moments. Oh. We are having a moment for our fallen friend, Marsha Wallace. Mrs. Crabapple. She was the best. Carol. Ha! Carol from the Bob Newhart show. But they're not there. They're not at the peninsula. They're at this property. And Mark is still trying to get Jane to stop filming. And she won't. She is... Pretty insistent that they yeah, need they to cover to get it. This. They had to get it. I think Jane saw that the cracks were really being pushed and that stuff was Jane going to. Jane at her job. Things were going to start going down. Shit was going to hit the fan and Jane was going to get it. Jane, no, we're, we're done. There's no more cameras for tonight. Yeah. I'm sorry, but I need to cover this. Yeah, you know, I mean, we're still talking, Mark, so as long as we're talking, we're not done. I know. We're never done. We are never done. Ugh, peeling paint, scratch floors, now the oh, lawn. Okay, Jane, it's small. That's a studio. Well, Mark is in a bad mood. Bad. He's very concerned about what's going on in the home, which is a surficial level of what I think he's really concerned about, and that is... The MacGuffin in his ass. <laughs> <laughs> the ass crack in the kitchen. Oh, who wouldn't be concerned about that? I know. I, that was a scary ass People crack. could be smuggling stuff out of their nice house. And they could. One of those giant pears from the, the table in yes, the kitchen. Yes, that would, that would be a little push. <laughs> the but Kardashian pear. It could have gotten in that ass. <laughs> it could have. Yeah, again, the symbolism of the house representing the marriage and the family and their family life and their relationship. Without talking about it directly, he's totally talking about it. And now here they are up in each other's shit in a studio. A furnish was a furnished, ugly. Oh, yeah. yeah. And Valerie looks kind of apologetic to Jane and the crew. Like it's a studio. It's too small for them all to fit in. Jane so, is filming through the blinds. Mark is saying that there's no way that for another month and a half they can stay in the house while they're shooting there. She's explaining that she can't move out of the house because she doesn't want to leave her things. He says that he'll move out and... She can join him when she's done letting the drug addict have the run of the house. He says, this is not the deal that we made, Valerie. And she asks him to be sweet to her since she's had a really rough night. He says that he's had one too and he didn't sign up for this. And then Val starts sort of mugging to the cameras. Like she becomes aware of them. (laughs) Oh my God. So funny. And Mark notices and he's like. Oh, he's pissed. Yeah. Closes the blind. No, Jane. No. As this happens, Jane realizes, okay, this is probably it. And she says, all right, I'm going to call it. Suddenly, a gunshot goes off. It was loud, too. It was scary. And Jane hits the ground. And then you hear Mark say, what the fuck was that? Because for a moment, 
did Mark just shoot Valerie? Right? Uh, yeah, you know, I know. You didn't know where to go. That would have been bad. That would have really been a dark episode. The next bit is just a few minutes later, I assume, because this is the introduction of Mrs. Miss or Mrs. Yee. Mrs. I love Mrs. Yee. She's very concerned because they're trying to tell her that they own part of the building or that they own, that they are Strongwood Properties, that they don't manage it. They have a management company for that. She doesn't know them. She's asking she's them. Mad. She's mad. She wants them out. She's yelling at them. She's so mad. Because she doesn't want to open the apartment. She's right. like, I'm not going to open this. How do I know who you are? Why are you here? And Valerie starts to explain, well, you see, we're shooting this. I'm, I'm on this HBO show. And Mrs. E could care less. Valerie believes if she explains it, that everybody's going to be so impressed that it's an HBO show and it's Hollywood and it's a film kind of thing that that'll make everything okay. Which we know it doesn't. Valerie and Mark are looking at Miss Yee like she's a moron or an idiot and she's looking at them like they're an idiot. There's just such a disconnect. Where was that point when she started opening her mouth and was like... <laughs> she just opens her mouth really big. It almost looks like her jaw detaches. I could see her uvula. <laughs> and Mark says, look, we can't just go away. We're here. We're liable. Miss Yi finishes her yawn, which does seem to go on. And Valerie's like, oh, it was a yawn. Like, I don't know what Valerie thought was going to happen. And they've called the police. Miss Yi opens the door and we see that there's blood on the wall. And everybody has a very big reaction. That, that, was, that was a quick, though. Like, they, they open and shut it really quick. Yes. And Mark says, oh my God, he shot himself. And then he says, are you happy now, Valerie? And he gives her this look. She was traumatized. She looks at the camera and she says, he's in shock. But she was in shock, really. Right. I I was in shock. Yeah, I mean, that's not what you expected from the comeback. No. It's, it's interesting where they went with this, this episode. They went very dark. The way that Jane was insistent on following them for a moment made me think, oh, this has got to be all staged somehow. Huh. I'm not saying that it was, but that's, and that's my cynicism too. And that tells us something. Maybe Jane shot her lover. No, because Jane was right there with the, ca oh, are you talking about it another time? Because Jane was there with the camera. How could Jane, and Jane. Maybe Jane paid someone to shoot her lover. But we never actually see the man. We just see the body slumped over. Right. We see the ass crack of the man because he slumped over the couch. Was there a MacGuffin in it? I don't know. I'm going to give you a MacGuffin. Ooh, Show him a MacGuffin. Stop promising me. Pushy oh. MacGuffins. <laughs> the police arrive and they're taking the body away. Can I just say that the, poli the main police officer was brilliant? His name is Keyshawn Giles. Which one was Keyshawn? The shorter one. So he was... The one with all the lines. Most of the lines. So he was the one who said, oh, you know, do you want to do all the paperwork? Yeah. Do you want to go back? All right. Yeah. He's, he was the sensible one, yeah. kind of. They are talking to the police. Valerie makes the empty promise because she's not in a position to make these promises that she does, that she's not going to use any of the footage and couching that in this monologue about how she's been on CSI and... Hey, what did I tell you about that camera? Oh, no, that's all right. They're with me. It's for my show. Your show? Yeah. No, no, they can't film this. Look, they were filming when I got here. Now, if you want to shut them down and do all the paperwork it's going to take to report all this, then be my guest. 
But it's four in the morning, and I would like to go home. Yeah, I'm an actress, so, you know, done a couple CSI, so I get it. You know, it's not for public consumption, right? We won't use any of this, I promise. Jane, Jane, all this is NG. No good. So yeah. what's the deal in there? Uh, well, the coroner just left. Yeah, so do you have any ideas about Thanks. who the perp is? Perp is short for perpetrator. Looks like a suicide. We found drugs all over the apartment. Okay. She drug addict too. Never pay on timer. Drug addict? He was? Yeah, we talked to some of your tenants. Apparently he'd been through rehab and was doing pretty well. And your job looked like he's on his way back. Yep, and that's usually when they take a dive. It is? Yeah. They'll turn their life around and all of a sudden they wreck it all. And they take down anybody who's around them. Excuse me, folks. This is Unit 23. Go. My garbage disposal is broken. I called Stronghold five times. Oh, okay. Well, Mark, you want to... Oh, don't mark me. I've had it, Valerie. I cannot do another night like this. Tomorrow, I am going to start looking for a new place to move. So you can join me if you want. Where are you going now? She's just trying to relate to it. She's so unattached to reality. Well, everything in her world is show business. It's all a movie, right? And that's the only way she can handle it. <laughs> I'm sorry, that was me doing my Missy impressions. <laughs> Keyshawn the cop makes the comment that, oh yeah, this happens with these drug addicts. Basically, he describes exactly where Polly G is. Right. Oh, my God. I didn't realize that. Yeah. yeah. He says he's been through rehab a couple times. Things were getting better for him. He had a show going on. And this is what usually happens. And they just take a dive and take everyone down around them. Uh-oh. I wonder if that's foreshadowing. I was wondering that, too. I also think because it's such a blatant parallel, maybe it's not. Right. Like, it's almost too obvious. So Missy is complaining about her garbage disposal being broken, and Mark is just, like, having none of it. As this is all going down, the song The Tide is High by uh, Blondie comes <laughs> up. The tide is high, but I'm moving on. So what do you think the significance of that is? Your... Sorry. What do you think the significance of that is? Is this quiz? No. They're moving on. <laughs> There's going to be a tidal wave, <laughs> and they're going to have Gilligan's Island. The tide is high, so they're moving on. Yeah, moving on up there, she's to gonna... the east side. But that's not the song that came on, Marcy. Thinking outside the box, I'm an improviser. So you're thinking outside... I'm a minor. <laughs> May I see your ID? With that tiny me. little imaginary pickaxe. I had, I was picking at you with my imaginary pickaxe. I, I knew you wanted to. That's about it. Mark is at at his wit's end. Think he's going to leave her? I don't know. He says, tomorrow I'm going to start looking for a place to move to. You can join me if you want. <gasps> she says to him, where are you going? Even though they're going together, as far Barcelona. as I can tell. He says, the peninsula. <gasps> That's it. Funny. <laughs> Sorry. Big uvula. Cavernous mall. <laughs> <laughs> you know what that's good for? Scene 27. Oh, gonna... <laughs> Scene 27. Scene 27. Or MacGuffin. The episode was directed by John Rigi. Yay! We love us some John Rigi. And it was written by John Rigi and Amy, ha Amy Harris. Amy B. Harris. I loved how dark it was because Me it too. was really unexpected. 
shines a light on how disconnected Valerie and her world and the people in her world are from the real world. And there's only two more episodes and you have to wonder, how are they going to tie this all together? Well, we know in the next episode she's on the green screen tearing apart Polly G's inner child. Yes. I can't wait. Mickey has a line that is in the little promo where he says, after all these years, you can really act. Wow. He makes, but it's not kind of in a slam way, but he's No, no, I know. And it's, like I said, I think seeing Red is probably a very dark drama. She's coming into her own. Yes. And we also know that the New York Times is coming to visit the set. We know that. That scares me quite a bit. Now, <laughs> you know Valerie's going to mess that up. There was an interview with Michael Patrick King and Valerie, or Valerie, and Lisa Kudrow where they were... She's Mallory. <laughs> you're right. You're right. I'm not so confused. Is she Valerie? Is she Mallory? Is she Phoebe? Is she Ursula? Is she, who is she? Is she the, the woman from web therapy? Is she me? Yes, she is. <laughs> You're just wearing a tiny Latina package costume. I think I'm more like Michael Patrick King on the inside. I'm more an MPK than an LK. Jenny has a stuffed Judy Garland doll. I do. Stuffed. It's, it's, that sounds it's, a little It's scary. a Madame Alexander. Like, oh, I had those. My yeah. sister ate them, though. What I do like about the promos is, although they give you a taste of what's coming, you don't know. No. I mean, I... Who... All I knew from this one was the Groundlings thing. Like, that's all I thought was. I was so excited to see her take an improv class. Who knew? Knew there'd be cancer and suicide. Yeah. So I'm excited for next week. And worried about Mickey. And I am admittedly a little bit worried about Polly G, who, you know, yes. if it does parallel what happened. But it is also kind of like, look, that's the dark side of Hollywood as well. You don't know the person who looks like he's all together or got it together like Polly G on the set. You know, he's doing his possibly his passion slash dream project. He could be recognized as somebody like right. really serious, a serious artist. And yet this could be the end of him. You know, Jenny, we all walk a, walk a fine line between being a serious artist and being the MacGuffin and a teamster's <laughs> ass. Sometimes I wonder why I even bother with you. <laughs> God, just stop tearing me apart. Should we? Should this be a wrap? This is a wrap. Oh, we love All you. All right, so um, send us your comments or questions uh, at jenmarfilms at gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter. At jenmarfilms. And check us out on Facebook. At jenmarfilms. Also, you can find us on iTunes at Genmar Films. Subscribe. Also, subscribe, and we'd love it if you've got nice things to say. We prefer it. Uh, and if you can give us some stars, some pop us up in the list of favorites to come up, um, give us a review. We would really appreciate it. And if you do listen and you do enjoy it, please tell your friends, tell people. We know we've got some people listening who don't even watch the show, but feel like they do because we take you through it. And they're not watching it also because it's a podcast, (laughs) but maybe they're listening to it. I'm saying they're not watching the television show. Oh, I'm saying they listen to the podcast, but they're not watching the show. I love you, Miss Jenny. I love you, Miss Marcy. We're like Tori and Dean. Oh my god. I feel conflicted. I feel conflicted. I don't need to see that. I don't want I don't need to I don't want I don't need